Hey guys, welcome back to the Kaderna podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. So for any of you adventurous souls out there, this is the episode you will not want to miss. Today's guest is Jeff Binaldi, the founder and CEO of the Explorers Passage. This could be considered one of the coolest travel agencies I've ever heard of. Jeff's objective is to use his organization to help tackle the world's most important social and environmental issues through adventure travel experiences across the planet. The Explorer's Passage partners with the world's leading visionaries, scientists, and institutions to provide travelers with a more immersive and impactful experience. His trips have prompted collaboration with National Geographic, Disney, Afar, and more. You can check it out at explorerspassage.com. But before founding this awesome company, Jeff had spent 15 years on Wall Street at both Merrill Lynch and Citibank. During his time in banking, he participated on various advisory boards and was a regular speaker at conferences and workshops across the country. So today, not only do we discuss one of my greatest passions of travel and adventure, but we learn the inside story of transition, a story of how Jeff left a corporate job that had run its course to pursue a dream of his from childhood to go be an explorer. Today, Jeff is a contributing writer to Entrepreneur Magazine and is a TEDx speaker. So without further ado, help me welcome Jeff Benaldi. Is going to require work and time and sweat and toil. If money wasn't an issue, what would I be doing? Don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. Change is the only constant. The Kadona Podcast. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure, uh, pleasure to have to be on the program, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this discussion. Yeah, without a doubt. I'm a huge uh, fan of travel and it's been tough, man, this past year. It's like there's been no vacation for the family and we're all yeah. just kind of cooped up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and no, I, I get that. Um, how are you? How are you feeling? Are you feeling like you're, um, you know, once things really start to open up, do you, you, you can't wait to get out there again? Yeah, we'd love to. I mean, my situation is is a little unique now because the, the kids are all in high school. So we're kind of... Yeah. Um, you know, at that time where there's just, there's always a sport, there's a job, there's a big test coming up. So yeah, I think even when things do open up, it's, it's tough to find kind of that, that long weekend or that week getaway. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely something we're, we're dying to do right now. <laughs> no, I get that. I get that. Yeah. And has it been affecting you? I mean, how are you doing throughout this pandemic? Yeah, you know, it's obviously, it's, it's a pretty, a bit of an interesting time. I mean, you talked a little bit about my background on the you know, in the beginning of the call, I spent, um, you know, 15 years in, in the banking industry. And I, um, I left the banking industry uh, in 2018. But you know, the story kind of goes back, back, I would say, a, a long ways before that, where, you know, I, I midway through that process in banking, or that time in banking, I started to feel, um, I don't know, uh, I started to feel like I wasn't going in the right direction. You know, I, I did, I was very fortunate to have a great job. I worked with some amazing people and had a, had a fantastic manager, but I wasn't, I wasn't passionate and I wasn't engaged about what I was doing. And, um, you know, in early 2000 and let's say about 10 years ago and like in 2011, I, I was going through a lot of changes in, in my personal life. I had gone through a divorce um, and I was thinking about, you know, what could be next. Right. And uh, around that time I went for the first hike of my life, which is, pretty, you know, I'm 43 now and I was, it was happened when I was 33 and I'm not sure why it took so long for me to, to get involved in, in, you know, nature and exploration, but 
but I really feel very fortunate that I found it. And um, I started to really fall in love with adventure and, 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 you know, exploring, not just, you know, I started exploring the East coast of the United States and then the United States. And then I started climbing and doing adventures all over the world. Um, I noticed that it made me feel very, very different than I did in, uh, in at working at, at banking. Um, and I was really at that point where I was like, I was trying to follow what felt right in life. Right. Um, a lot of us, you know, leave college and we, we do what we think we're supposed to do, right. What family or society tells us to do. Um, and you know, a lot of those things didn't make me so happy. So, um, I started to see that, well, maybe I could, you know, start a company on a started on the side where I could take people on these special experiences and have that same, you know, transformations that I was having. And, uh, you know, it started out, um, in 2004, we launched 2014, we launched at the New York times travel show. We had a really good reception and, you know, the company ended up growing and building from there to the point where. I was finally able to, to, I felt comfortable enough to able to leave banking in 2018. So it's been roughly three years now and um, company was doing very, very well uh, right before, uh, right before the pandemic up to March of last year. And, you know, obviously that was a bit of a scary time for me. You know, I, sure. um, you know, I didn't have that kind of that safety net in, in the corporate world. And, I had to figure out how to make my money, you know, obviously selling, selling trips and I have, we have a staff and, and, you know, overnight we weren't able to, we weren't able to sell the product that, that we were producing. So it definitely, um, it definitely was at first a scary time. Um, I, coincidentally, I actually, the year before I had started a consulting business where we work with, um, we work with nonprofits and companies who have, you know, missions for the world to help them grow. And uh, um, in retrospect, it was good that I had started that because I, I started to um, started to kind of really ramp that up last March, uh, which helped, which obviously helped from the financial aspect. And in terms of the travel, I, I ended up trying to take a positive from it. I'm always looking at, you know, what can I learn from these different things that are, that are happening? So I don't necessarily look at anything as good or bad, but I look at how is this working for me? How can I make a positive out of this? And um, I spent a lot of time looking at the way we were marketing our products, uh, looking at our staff, doing a lot of introspection. And um, it was actually a time of, of, of great learning for me last year. And um, we were able to, to really fine tune a lot of areas of the company that if, if COVID didn't happen, we, I would never have gotten to. Um, so uh, kind of a, a little bit of a blessing in disguise. And we had no, I would say we had no really activity, no like sales activity from like March till early September. Um, but when we remarketed it in, in our, new, our new way in starting in July, we started to see a lot of inquiries and a lot of activity. And I'll say we, you know, we started to see trip bookings um, in September, uh, not for September, but in September for later this year, later in 2021. Um, and the last 90 days, like we have actually exploded in terms of interest and, and awesome. actually bookings as well. So more for the, the, you know, the third and fourth quarter of this year, but I, I truly believe that the, the work that we did um, in the downtime was able to, and the clarity that I was able to see and that the team was able to see has really powered us for, um, has really positioned us really well for the future. So, so yeah, I mean, long, long answer, but um, uh, <laughs> no, it's good. challenging year, but um, uh, I think you have to, you have to figure out where there's a positive in everything. And I think we did.
Yeah, there's always that silver lining there. And yeah. I've talked with a lot of business owners that, you know, one of the things, even myself with my own practice that we struggle with sometimes is we get so caught up in the business that we don't take that moment to step back and work kind of on the business. Exactly. And this this forced that moment of reflection. But what I often you know say to my peers, I'm like, you know, a week or even a month of reflection was great, but now going on like almost a year, it's kind of like we're, we're yeah. itching, you know, all to get yeah. back to normal. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, so a lot of the people now that are, are booking, which is fantastic, they're going into like third or fourth quarter of 2021. That's. Yeah. We're, we're seeing a lot of interest in August and okay. onwards So August through December of later the year. I think people feel, you know, they're starting to see the vaccinations. I know in January um, last month in the U S we had about, I think 36 million people vaccinated, right. Which is about 10% of our country. Um, so if you, if you do the, if you do the math, which I think a lot of people are, people are feeling pretty confident that, you know, starting in August, September, you know, we should be in a really good, should be in pretty good shape here in the United States and, and the rest of the world. So, um, yeah. And, and, and interestingly enough, when we do get bookings, a lot of people aren't really asking about COVID. You know, we probably get that question 1% of the time. Um, yeah. you know, they're more interested in, in, you know, the trips that we're offering, um, uh, and, you know, what, um, you know, where they could potentially go next. So um, we do obviously have, you know, COVID procedures for, for our trips in terms of social distancing and, and other, other um, you know, pre procedures that we've put in place, but it's clients are not actually asking about it that much. Yeah. So it hasn't been kind of like the general public's fear so much as more like the government restriction over what yeah. we're all able to do, where we're able to go. Yeah. Like, can, can you, you know, you book the trip, can you get into this country? right? Okay. Um, because certain countries have restrictions uh, in terms of getting in. But, you know, I'd say a fair amount of the countries um, are pretty open at the moment. It's just that there are certain, again, certain protocols that you have to follow. Like, for example, like a Costa Rica, uh, you know, you can, you can, an American can travel pretty freely there at the moment. Uh, but you do, there are, you know, protocols. So like, you do have to take a, you have to take a test upon arrival. If you are positive, then you do have to go into quarantine, right? Um, mm -hmm. Iceland has a pretty similar uh, situation. You can make a choice. You can either take a test. If you prove that you're negative, you can travel freely. If you, if you don't, then um, you, uh, you can elect to quarantine. So, that, so most countries are, are pretty open. There's some countries that like, like a New Zealand or Australia that are still you know, much, much more closed off from the world at the moment. But um, we're seeing a lot of progress. Uh, we're seeing a lot of progress and a lot of openness. And then we're seeing a lot of people even now, like we're seeing, some of my friends who own travel companies, we're seeing, they're seeing a lot of people travel even now. That's great. And are you seeing more of that be international, like you mentioned, or are people like, you know what, I'll start out with something domestic and then in a couple of years we'll go abroad or everybody's just dying to get out of here? Yeah, um, in terms of like, in terms of my company, most of our travel is international. So we're seeing... Um, we're seeing a, a lot of bookings internationally and most of our clients are international as well. So say 20% of our clients are US based and the rest come from all over the world. Um, oh, wow. but, but a lot of my friends, again, who are, you know, whether they're high up in travel companies or, or CEOs, a lot of them are seeing a boom in, in domestic travel, uh, specifically around like the national parks. You know, mm -hmm. if you think about how many people have had on their bucket list since they were little that they would rent a you know, uh, rent one of those, um, uh, the vans, right. And, um, and travel across the country from park to park. And there's a lot of families doing that. There's a lot of people who are getting the, you know, have had the chance to work remotely over this time. 
that are working remotely from the national parks and in, in um, you know different parking lots and whatnot. So an, an explosion in uh, I would say domestic national park travel, um, and then obviously the people who are a little more you know have a little more uh, money or, or means to do it you know booking these kind of more high end private vacations and lodges with the national parks. That's that's been very popular as well. That is so cool. You know, I think that's one thing we've all learned from this is you can do so much work remote. Uh, even now, I mean, our offices are open, but probably four days a week, I'm here at home, you know, at my home office, yeah. functioning just fine with Zoom and everything else. So that I would imagine would help travel because you can almost work from anywhere. So you can, you can, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a good point. Um, you know, and interestingly enough too, it, it, for me, I, I'm someone who, not just when I you know, running my travel company, but even before while I was in banking, I you know was used to traveling 120 to 150 days a year for probably the last 10 years, and I haven't been on a plane since um, 13 months. So I got back from a, a scouting trip in Antarctica uh, on January 4th of, of last year, and I haven't been on a plane. And and um, for, you know for me too, uh, I think that I always felt that I needed to you know, to, to, to go on a, a decent number of our experiences to make sure everything was being run right. Um, and I, I think this time over the past year taught me a little bit too that I could let go a bit more. You know, we have a great team around the world. There's a lot of people that do a great job that, that I trust. And uh, it allowed me the opportunity to, um, to be home more, which, you know, I'm very fortunate to have a great home life. And um, to really get be in one place and focus on what I talked about on that reflection and expanding the company. So um, yeah, it just, it just, you know, it's, it's lessons all, lessons all over around about, you know, kind of what we could take from COVID. Sure. And I wanted to ask you that too, from kind of a business standpoint, like what is, what is the business? Do you have some employees or is it just, you have contractors all over the globe that come to you or how is that structured? Yeah, yeah, no, we have, um, so, so how the travel industry works is like we have our, you know, the Explorers Passage is, is, a, is a tour operator, right? So we have, you know, our own team of employees that, um, uh, you know, that kind of work mostly in, the, mostly in the United States, but you know, everyone obviously with COVID is working remotely. Um, but in terms of like who we deal with around the globe, we, we, we contract with, with guide teams, right? So um, that, that operate, uh, essentially operate under our brand. Okay. Um, so we do, uh, we do an extensive process when we go into a new country on looking at, you know, who, who the top, um, who the top guides are, right. The, the most experience they have, their, their safety record, uh, their, um, you know, their experience, their knowledge on the territory, their, their knowledge in the territory that we're traveling. And, you know, once we go through that extensive process, then we, um, we contract with them to, to assist us in, in running our experiences in those individual countries. So um, I think we're, we're roughly in about 15 countries right now. We have about 15 to 17 tours. So we don't, we don't operate everywhere in the world. And I don't think we, you know, I don't really want us to be everywhere, but I, I want us to be uh, the best at, at, at the places where we do go. Okay. And is that all on you? Like, do you get to go out and scout all these countries and the various teams that you work with or? That almost yeah, sounds I mean, like a dream job. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, um, so everything on our website, all our tours, I've been, so we don't offer anything that I haven't been to. Um, okay. So yeah, so that, that, that process I did have a, a very big part of, but I, I do think that um, we have a really good process, uh, an evaluation process in place on how we do that. So, uh, and we have a really great team here. 
So I, I do envision that I'm going to kind of let go of that process a little more and, and, and have our team become a bigger part of that. So I can just focus more on, you know, growth and, and more the, you know, more the direction of the company going forward. But yeah. I think that can be kind of a nerve wracking jump sometimes when you let go of the reins a little bit and, you know, yeah. hand off that responsibility. I know I've struggled with it personally and other business owners I work with have as well. It's really hard. It's that whole aunt, you know, the, the, these companies, these companies that we build are our babies. Mm -hmm. And um, that's been a bit, it's been a real journey for me to, to let go. And I, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you just got to let go and you just got to, you know, move on so you can make more space, but it's not letting go doesn't happen in, in a single decision, right? That's, that's kind of a misnomer. I think letting go is, is a, is a long-term multi-year, even a decade process. And, and that's okay, right? Because, you know, you have something that you've taken so much time to build and create, and you're expecting a certain level of, you're delivering a certain level of excellence to your customers. Um, yeah. You know, there's some danger in letting go too quickly, right? Um, there's also some danger in, in not letting go at all. So I think it's a process. I think, you know, as I look at it is I let go as I feel like I have the team, um, the team trained and the right people to continue the level of excellence that we strive to deliver, um, and you know, if 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 we don't, if we can't deliver that, then um, then I then I hold up for a little bit, right? So uh, yeah, it's it's been a challenge, but I think we we're, we're we're starting to get much much better at it, and um, and I'm I'm really fortunate to have I think one of the best teams in, in the travel industry to to help really move the company forward. That's great. And along those lines, do you? Um... I just lost my train of thought what I wanted to ask you about kind of, you know, building out that team. When, when you jumped into this business, was it really just you or did you have, you know, a friend or a partner or somebody that was like, Hey, this is such a cool idea we should embark on. Or was this kind of like, you were like, screw it, I'll do it on my own. And then we'll build a team as we go. Yeah, no, it, you know, it was, it was actually just me um, at first. And I'm, you know, I was the sole owner and I still am. Uh, you know, I think from being in the corporate world, I felt like I felt like I was controlled a bit, right? Um, I was obviously it was my choice to be in the corporate world, and I had so many benefits of having that safety net and, and whatnot. So I can't, you know, I don't want to talk negatively there, but I think for me, I I didn't like the aspect where my where I I did have I, a part of my fate was was controlled by the bank, right? Mm -hmm. And I knew that when I started a company, that I didn't want to have that same level of control over me. So I wanted to start it alone. I wanted to be the sole owner. Um, I didn't want uh, to take debt out for the business. So I would use, that's why I built it on the side. It took me six years, nights and weekends to build it on the side. Um, wow. And I didn't want any equity partners because I didn't want them to, to have any say in any of my decisions that I was making as well. So, um, and yeah, while it maybe took me a little longer to get it up and running, I do have the autonomy and the control to take it to the direction that I that I want to. Um, so, uh, and I'm happy I made that decision. You know, and you know, it's funny. I, I, a lot of people ask me, they're like, you know, do you, you know, do you believe in like the leap of faith? You know, where you just, uh, you know, you you you're in this job and you just start a company and then you take a leap and to, to launch the new company, or do you believe on the starting a company slowly on the side. And I'm, I'm 110% for, for having a job while you start a new company. Um, you know, I don't think, I don't think the company could have grown any quicker if I had taken the leap of faith. 
Um, I think it takes time for these companies to grow. I, build, I feel like companies take, you know, you know, four to five years to become profitable enough where you can earn an income for yourself. And um, yeah, and I think I, I kind of wanted to learn each of the lessons, right? You know, there's this whole, you see a lot of people right now where they, you know, they're 22 years old, they, they have an idea and they, they get funding for their, for their idea. And, um, and I, you know, I wish everyone all the success in that. And I think there's a lot of people who can make that work, but I think you lose a little bit of that journey, right? Uh, you're not able to integrate each of the, the ups and downs that go along with it if you're bringing in this like professional team. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I implore, pe implore people to, to really take their time, right? Uh, to, to take their time to build it slowly, to, th to learn the lessons. And you know, at the same time as I was still learning and, and earning income while I was in banking. Mm -hmm. So I was learning in like two different areas and I felt, um, you know, the, the, the knowledge that I have from the banking world is, is invaluable. Right. And it, sure. it helps me. Um, it helps me each and every day. And the network that I have from there helps me each and every day as I continue to build this company. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's so good starting out to kind of get exposed to each, you know, aspect of the business, because, I've always thought that, you know, if you, you know, th those people that maybe do the GoFundMe and they have a, a little team set up and then, you know, things kind of deviate as time goes on. And then five years down the road, that business owner has to look back and relearn something that they missed. And, you know, it yep. might be a bigger mistake now than it could have been five years ago. So exactly. it's uh, certainly a, a good experience without a doubt. And it's something I think all entrepreneurs benefit from all that experience. And I wanted to ask you, going back to kind of the genesis of this, one, why did you go into finance and banking? And two, I know you said that that hike was kind of like a tipping point for you at 33, but did you know you wanted to get in travel or was travel something that you were always into even as a kid at all? Or, you know, how did some of that kind of evolve? Yeah. Um, so the, the, the first question is, I, you know, I went to the College of New Jersey uh, for for my Go undergraduate on. and when when i was i know you did as well um yeah. and it was a, it was a great school for me it was a great experience and when i was in college i actually was very into uh college politics i was class president for three years i i thought i wanted to um i don't know i thought maybe i wanted to run for congress or senate one day i i i was very interested in how we could you know use my life as a way to help uh help others in public service and at the time i did get a bit turned off from politics even at that level I mean obviously we can see what, what's gone on in the country over the last year but um, I felt like you know uh, even politics at, at the College of New Jersey was a microcosm of what we see in the world and I got a little turned off from it and um, I when I was a senior I'm like you know I didn't really know what I was going to do I, I didn't have plans you know to get an internship or a job and I thought to myself if I could do something you know that I was passionate about what it would be and my father had invented this, this small um, sporting goods product uh, a few years before. And unfortunately he had passed away the day before the patent came in the mail. And I don't know, it just seemed like it was the right thing to do at the time. So I, when I was a senior in college, I, I said, let me kind of finish it off for him, see if we can make some money for me, for my mom and, and sister and, and maybe move on to something else. So, so the, for that senior year, I was building this company while I was finishing my senior year. I, uh, I launched the company at the Jacob Javits show um, in, in New York City. And it, we had a very good response. I ended up getting funding that summer. So I did go that, that route that, you know, that I just kind of talked about. Um, and I had an office in the city, I had a salary and, um, and we gave it a shot for a few years, me with the, um, 
me with the partners that I had and it didn't, it didn't reach an, um, the success that we needed to, to sustain it. Um, and we can talk more about that. I have a lot of thoughts on maybe why it didn't, um, sure. but I was young too, right? I was really young. I was a bit inexperienced. And when I was 24, I was kind of, cl- I was closing up the business. Uh, I was living back down in the Princeton area. I was, I started taking classes at the University of Pennsylvania. I was in this pre-MBA program at Wharton. And I just thought to myself, well, you know, I need to get a job now. Like that's, that's, that's really where it was at. I didn't necessarily say I wanted to be in finance or I wanted to go somewhere else that, but I, I just needed to get a job. I was, I was teaching tennis um, in Princeton. I was waitering at, at a Chili's restaurant on route one. And, um, and I, I was, yeah, I was, I was going to school part-time at, at UPenn because I didn't have those, those business courses. I was afraid that it would prevent me from getting, you know, into a, uh, into a corporation. Um, and I started interviewing and then one day I, I got, I lucked out and I got an interview at Merrill Lynch asset management. Um, okay. and it was based on, you know, in Princeton, around Princeton, New Jersey area. And it was, what a was your, your major back in undergrad political science. Oh, okay. It wasn't politics. Okay. Got yeah. It. It, it was political science. And, um, but I got an interview in marketing and it, it, it led to, you know, it was a, for me, it was a huge opportunity. And I always found, I started to find economics really interesting about what was going on in the world. And I kind of relate that to politics in a way. Sure. Um, I, I spent nine, um, nine months in marketing. Uh, and then I, I got a job as a junior portfolio manager on their fixed income asset management desk. Okay. And then from that point, I just kind of followed it. Right. I, I was learning a lot. I, uh, it was, it was a good industry to, you know, good industry to be in. I started taking the CFA, uh, the charter financial analyst exams. And I spent about maybe two and a half more years on that desk. And then, uh, and then I moved to Citibank's headquarters in in New York city, where I I became, um, I would say more of a senior portfolio manager within their securities lending group, did that for seven years. And then, they brought me into sales, selling to instant, so selling multiple products to institutions like central banks and uh, yeah. asset managers, insurance companies. So, you know, I listen, it, I just kind of followed the path. I followed what I was interested in. I did find the mm-hmm. financial markets very fascinating and economics fascinating, but, but yeah, but I did started again, midway through that 15 years, about that seven and a half, I started to feel this wasn't the way for me. Um, yeah, yeah, this wasn't a way for me, and that and that's, and that kind of leads. It's, yeah, yeah, it's really crazy to kind of see like the journey that that so many folks go on. Some are planned, yeah. and some are completely unplanned. Where you know you're a poli sci, you know, get into your dad's business, picking that up, and then in the blink of an eye, you're in the banking and investment world. So exactly. And now, now we're into the travel world. So yeah, you're, you're kind of hitting all the bases here. Yeah, I, I am. Um, you know, it's fun. I, I think in retrospect, I think I needed structure. Uh, you know, I think for me, even having my father, you know, kind of, I mean, you know, passed away when I was 18, I think I, I did lose, I didn't, I, I needed safety. I needed structure. I did felt like I didn't really, I didn't at that point, it, you know, kind of felt like overnight, I really didn't have that. That's, you know, kind of that support, that support that maybe I had before that. And you do find that within a corporate role. Right. Sure. Um, and I, and I, and I also with the first company, I just wasn't ready yet. And and I also don't think I was that passionate about his product. Like it was for him, but, but I, I, you know, I have seen that unless you're, unless you're really passionate about what you're doing, if you're starting a company, it's, it's going to be hard to make it work. Right. Because oh, yeah. you deal with a lot of ups and downs as I'm sure, you know, and, um, 
and you have to love it, right? So, um, so I know I know that this company feels very, very different than when I started my father's company in terms of my my engagement and passion for it. Yeah, and you've experienced the entrepreneur side and the corporate side, which which I have not. I've always, you know, I came right out of TCNJ, started this business in financial services, and it's all I've ever known. And there there have been days, especially early on, where you kind of wake up and you're like really, what should I be doing? Like, am I doing the right thing today? And you almost yeah. long for that structure of, you know, it would kind of be nice to be told, Hey, Bri, do a, B and C and yeah. you're done for the day. <laughs> yeah. and do you miss that at all? That structure? No, um, no? Um, I, I don't, you know, I mean, I felt, I felt like to a degree because the, the latter seven years I was in sales. So I, I did, while I did have a manager, I was still structuring my day a bit. You know, it's, it's okay. funny. Like I, you know, I, in the beginning of my career in banking, I was, I would say I was, I was very more controlled about what I was doing. I was more told every day. And I, I think I started to become that entrepreneur within the organization. Got it. So I was, it. I was preparing myself uh, for leave. Like I remember in the last seven years that I was in banking, like I would start, like I started, I wasn't in technology, but I would start, I started a project to like replace our technology system. Right. Um, I helped revamp all our marketing. So I would, I would find these, these kind of intra, intra, they call them intrapreneur, like, like intrapreneur roles where um, I was kind of, I guess I was in training myself and getting myself ready for what I was really passionate about. I will say though, like when I did leave banking though, it's been an evolution about like, okay, you know, you have to figure out a way out to make money. And it's very, very different where, you know, even in a bad year, you, you could still be supported within the bank if you had a bad sales year or whatnot. So I, I still have been tweaking and um, changing and evolving my days, right? Um, about yeah. where I'm spending my time. You know, I, 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 I'm trying to spend 90% of my time on activities that lead to revenue and delegate those that, uh, that are more operational in nature. And when I first left banking though, I was much more, I would say 90% operational, 10% revenue. I just, because I couldn't let go of it. I was, I didn't want, I didn't, I wanted everything to be perfect. Um, So I'm starting to really come out of that and and evolve and switch. Uh, And I would say even in the last six months, like made some huge, huge changes around that. And um, I, you know, and, and you, you see a difference, you see a difference as you change, the company starts to change as well. So um, but I do like the freedom. Um, yeah. Some, some days I do wake up and I'm like, well, what am I, you know, like, well, w- you know, what, <laughs> what are the revenue things I should be focusing on? But I feel like at the moment we're, we're in a pretty good groove with that. Good, good. Yeah. And then you just kind of find it. Yeah. And so was there like that, that big kind of moment where you, you had that transition going from banking to being your own boss or was it like you said kind of like a slower segue where you didn't have that kind of cut the cord what do we do now you know kind of uh moment yeah and, and i'll address on one of your previous questions too which i didn't what i didn't answer yet is in terms of like did i you know did i want to did i really want to go into travel um yeah, i think you. you know where i was at mentally 10 years ago is i was i was in a place where i was going through a lot of change in my life and I knew I wasn't passionate about what I was doing. And I wanted to, I had this dream where if I could wake up every day and do what I loved, I felt like that would, that would be a great thing. And I, and um, I noticed like when I went into my banking job every day, my energy would go down 
And I was looking and I noticed on the weekends and when I was hiking, my energy would go up and I was very adamant about trying to get, put myself in a position where my energy was constantly, um, or most of the time going up for the activities that I were doing, that I was, that I was getting energy from them, that I was getting motivation from them, not forcing it. And I, I wrote on a piece of paper and this, this was, this did not happen overnight. Uh, this, you know, as you, you know, this was an evolution and a lot of like meditation and a lot of like personal development work that, that went into this. Um, but I wrote down, I'm like, well, what, what do I really enjoy? And I, at the time I, I was really enjoying traveling. I was really enjoying adventure. Um, and I was really enjoying, uh, like history and storytelling. Like I've always loved history. So the company started out where, um, I was like, well, maybe we can take people on adventures. So we're traveling adventures to these special places in the world that have an enormous amount of history and that tell stories. And I didn't see anyone else doing that at the time. So, um, you know, the first, the first tour we created, I, I had read a story about some famous uh, Buddha legend in, in Nepal. And I took a gun on a plane and I went to Nepal and I checked it out. And it was this old legend that um, this famous uh, Buddha, Guru Rinpoche, was born on a lake in India uh, through a lotus flower. So if you ever see a, a Buddha on a lotus flower, that's, that's Guru Rinpoche. And he's known as the second Buddha. And he fought this great battle in the hills of, of Nepal. And um, it had to do with the spread of Buddhism. And it was just this beautiful, beautiful story. And when I went there, I was able to actually see that story in the sites I was visiting. Like you saw these old caves that were 1500 years old that apparently were, you know, where he slept and handprints of his on the cave, right? Um, you, you trekked along this path where the cliffs were bright red and that's apparently where he fought these demons in battle, right? That was, his, that was their blood. And I was just really inspired by how these places were able to tell history through, you know, through physical locations. So the first three tours that I, that I put together was an expression of these. Uh, there was that, that, that specific tour in Nepal, we, we launched a tour in um, the Yukon, which is in Canada on the, the Klondike gold rush, which is also a fascinating story. And then uh, one in Chile called Crossing the Andes, which is about um, Jose de San Martin, which is the basically the George Washington of South America who helped liberate all of South America from Spanish rule. And at the time I was just very fascinated by this and I was very passionate about it. And it just, again, like I said, it made me feel very different from what I was doing. So, so again, when we launched this, we launched the company, we launched with those three experiences. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of, lot of, a lot of excitement about it. And when you floated that out there, like were people knocking down the door to sign on up or were you like, where is everybody? <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you this. Uh, people thought it was an amazing idea. We, we launched, the, sh we launched the, uh, the company at the New York Times Travel Show in 2014, which is the biggest travel show in North America. Okay. And we won small booths out of, 200, no, out of 350 booths. Wow, that's awesome. Um, and people love the concept, but... Um, as you know, getting clients is a whole different story, right? Mm -hmm. So it took me two years, just, just for context, it took me, took me two years to launch the company, to work on it and build it so from 2012 to 2014. And then it took me another year and a half to get our first sale wow. in mid 2015. So it was well, I'm glad that you didn't leave banking in that first year. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the first experience I think was critical for that because if I didn't have the experience out of college to realize how hard it was yeah. and how it took time, I could have seen myself taking the leap. So 
so that first experience out of college, I think, informed the second decision. And I, and I did have, because of that, I had in my mind that, listen, I had a good job. I was getting paid well. Um, I said I would only leave banking if I felt there was no risk. Okay. That I was walking from one entity, you know, my corporate role at Citibank, to this thriving travel company. And it took six, six, six and a half years to feel that. But I tell you, I'll tell you this, I never thought it was going to come at one. I was like, is this ever going to come? <laughs> but, um, but it did come and it got to the point where I felt there was more risk in staying. Really? Wow. So it, it got to a point where like it was, it was sustaining itself where you could say, see you later banking. I'm financially okay in this new role. Exactly. It was sustaining itself. I saw a future. I was, I had, you know, also, I, mean, I talk a lot about this with people. I thought I'd done enough personal development of work on myself to, to get to a place where I felt confident in doing it. Um, that's the kind of like the journey of an entrepreneur. You know, you have to, you do have to constantly evolve as you know, and constantly, you know, do, do that work on yourself to improve. And I think there was a lot of stuff that I needed to do and a lot of stuff I needed to take care of in myself to get to a place to be able to run the company on my own. Yeah. So, and I, I think that's such a great lesson because I know there's, you know, plenty of business advice out there that will say kind of the opposite, you know, almost like, you know, burn the ships at sea. There's no way out. You got to go all in on this business or else you're short cutting yourself, you know, but then you see that there's kind of another method that I think most people would be more receptive to, to say, okay, I can pursue this passion or this goal. And it's not yeah. an all or nothing approach which I think is much more palatable than kind of like cut the cord and dive in head first, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I respect the point of the cut the cord point of view. I respect it. And if, listen, if people can make that work more power to you, but you know, if you have responsibility, financial responsibilities, if you have a family, if you have all these things, it's really hard to do that. And I, it, you know, it can put a lot of extra pressure on you that, um, that you uh, that might actually cause the company to fail more quickly, right? Because I I do I just felt for me, I again I couldn't as I said before I couldn't have had the company move any quicker. There's a lot of less things that I needed to learn that just takes time, you know. It yeah. just doesn't happen overnight. And if it's okay to ask, did you know your employer at the time know that this whole thing was going on, or was it kind of like a hush hush thing on the side that you were doing? No, you know, at Citibank, like a lot of the banks, uh, you are required to close. There's like an outside activities form that you have to fill out once yep. a year. So I did, I did disclose it. And, um, you know, I think they, they were fine with it. You know, they all thought it was just like Jeff, you know, Jeff going to climb another mountain. They thought it was just a side, you know, fun, fun project. I don't think anyone actually thought I was going <laughs> to leave the company one day. Um, yeah. I think if I was starting like a bank, or if I was becoming like a financial advisor on the side, that, that would have been a big no-no, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't in competition with any of Citigroup's activities. Yeah, it's totally so, different. Yeah. yeah, but you know, but when, when I did eventually have that conversation, they were, you know, they were very, very supportive of me and happy for me. And I, you know, I, I did agree Good. to stay on for a little bit just to help them with the transition. I think I'm a big believer there's always like a right way to also, you know, leave and, and leave a company and even be thankful for everything that they did give me. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a real win-win. So that's pretty cool. And going back to some of the travel experiences you mentioned, it was just jogging my memory when I was a senior in college at TCNJ. I did travel abroad in Prague, and which was, as you know, like right in the heart of Europe and, and a gateway to so many other countries and everything. And I felt in a way, I, I loved it. It was one of the best experiences of my life, but I almost felt spoiled that how would I travel after this 
when I was able to have four uninterrupted months, you know, totally immersed in this culture with all these other kids my age and, you know, really seeing the world. And it, it almost worried me in a way. I was like, I'm never going to really be able to travel again because when am I going to just cut away for four months or when will I get to, you know, make best friends and do all these things over there in a week? So it, what I wanted to ask is, you know, do you have a typical travel size that you adhere to? And how long do you typically keep these trips that you host? Yeah, I, th I think, it, yeah, listen, it depends, right? So I've seen on some of like the smaller group experiences that we have, um, like if you're hiking up Mount Kilimanjaro or on the Inca Trail in Peru, that you, you really don't want to go above 20 people because you lose a little bit of the, above that, you lose a little bit of the um, camaraderie and the friendships that you can develop between people. Um, aside, uh, separately from that, from a financial perspective, if you're under you know, you're under eight to 10 people. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to even run the trip, which is a challenge with a lot of travel companies when they put like lots of dates on their, you know, on their, um, on their, on their websites. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, so I would say we, we try to stick between 15 and 20 on our, 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 um, uh, our treks, I would say on our, okay. sm our small adventures, but we do run ships around the world as well. Right. So every year we do take a, a ship to Antarctica or the Arctic region. And that gets between, I would say, 100 and 120 people. But that's a different type of trip. And we, but we do, and we do a lot to facilitate uh, connection and, 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 and um, you know, togetherness, uh, you know, through that, not, not just on the trip, but before and after as well. So I think it depends on the type of trip. But I, but I, do, I do definitely understand, your, you know, your point and your experience around that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So when you have these 15 to 20 people that go on a trek, like they're you know, couples that have all never met each other? Or is it oftentimes just a big party of friends or how do they, what's kind of that demographic look like? You know, it depends. It's kind of all over the map. You know, sometimes you'll see, um, you know, you will see like a, a husband and wife or, you know, a boyfriend and girlfriend come on a track. You, you know, it's not surprising when I have, you know, one guy who's maybe been on one of our trips before bring three friends along. Um, uh, but also, you know, there will be times where there's about six or seven singles as well. You know, I think, Adventure seems to be a, a place where a lot of people do, um, do lean to when they're going through transitions in their life. So whether that's, you know, a breakup of a relationship, a marriage, someone looking to change their work. We've seen a lot of people who are looking to use these experiences as a way to, I wouldn't say escape, but, but to, to as, as, a, as, a tra as, as an opportunity for transformation. Mm -hmm. So yeah, to kind of grow. Um, um, yeah, it's opportunity for transformation and growth, but, but I would say on, on most of our trips, about 50% of the people are singles. They're coming alone. Okay. That's pretty cool. And are there a lot of competitors in this space? Cause I mean, it, it sounds so exciting and, and like such a cool company, but, uh, are there a lot of other guys out there doing the same exact concept that you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. I would say there's a fair bit of adventure travel companies out there. Um, you know, in the U.S., you know, I mean, maybe there's five to six big players in it, right? Um, you know, we're still, I would say, on the smaller side, but uh, you know, th th those are categorized into three types of, th you know, three types of trips. First off, you know, there's there's some low end players where they're just more giving you giving you kind of the bare minimum where you got to pay a lot of extra. Then there's like, you know, I would say companies that are more in the medium price point and then the more higher end, right? I think we're we're probably between the medium and medium and the higher end. Like we're 
You know, our trips tend to be all inclusive. We're trying to do the best that we can in terms of hotels and service and the places that we go. But, you know, we're not sometimes going as far as, you know, um, as like doing like a glamping experience, right? We still want to get you into nature and get you to experience these magnificent places. Um, why, why I think we're a little different is, you know, we, we really focus on two areas. You know, when I started the company, as I mentioned, we had more of a historical tilt to it where we were focusing on these historical adventures and we still have those and we still sell those. But, uh, but over the past three or four years, um, or I say three years, the company is more tilted to like social impact. So I, I feel like I've been reconnecting to more of that, you know, what I was interested in in college at TCNJ. Uh, so we do, we do a lot of experiences where we're partnering with um, conservationists or climate change activists and, and other types of individuals where we're trying to push social missions through these experiences. And one example is we work with, um, we work with Robert Swan, who's, who's a famous climate change activist and uh, a famous polar explorer. And we, and we work on a few trips with him each year where we're trying to help in the fight against climate change. And we, you know, we bring people to these incredible places so they could see what's going on for themselves with their own eyes. We train, we bring leaders to train them on these subjects and and help them even on their missions as they return home to try to have a positive impact on the planet. Um, I don't, to, to, to the degree that we're doing social impact adventures, I don't know if there's anyone else in the space doing it to the degree that we are. And, and, and I mean, frankly, we're moving most of the company to that direction, right? So okay. it's something that, um, because I have that flexibility and I don't have partners, um, I'm able to, I'm able to very like easily maneuver the company in the direction where, you know, what I'm feeling, right. Where I'm yeah. finding the most, most connection. So I, 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 I'm very, I listen to myself and I follow that. And you're finding people are pretty receptive to that of oh, yeah. <clears throat> learning, you know, out of the social change as opposed people, to just, Hey, here's the Coliseum. Yeah. I mean, people, people love travel. I mean, it's a certain type of, it's, we're going after a certain type of um, traveler too, right. There's different, there's people who just want to go on. Yeah. Like you said, see the Coliseum and see history and, go on like more of a, a joy holiday, but there are a lot of people um, out there who, who want to, um, who are looking for purpose in their lives, right? Who love travel, who uh, want to protect the planet and want to help others. And, um, and we're able to, uh, we're really able to figure out how to tap, like we're, we're figuring out how to tap into them and, and to work with them. And it's, it's very inspiring when you have someone come on a trip and you know, they feel like their life's changed and they come back and they say they started a, a foundation to help, you know, we have one guy who's starting a foundation now to help um, people who have uh, multiple sclerosis to take them on, um, to take them on adventures to help them heal. So that's so cool. Um, you get a lot. I mean, at least me, me, me and my team get personally a lot more than that when we, when we do just more of a generic trip to the Inca Trail. Yeah. Is this something that you think you'd ever pitch to like a travel channel or something? Just because it, it does have that unique slant to it yeah. with the social change and so forth. Yeah, I mean, we have like, you know, over the last year and a half, we've had about three or four different things going on in that uh, arena. Um, um, uh, we've had discussions with with a number of companies and we have a few things actively going on now. Um, some of it was delayed because of because of COVID, but, you know, more and more people are recognizing like what what we're what we're doing you know disney recently licensed some footage from one of our tree plantings with jane goodall in africa that's playing at epcot which is pretty cool um awesome. master class has licensed some footage from us um, um but yeah but what we're being approached around those type of media opportunities more and more that's so cool and that's kind of a segue to what i wanted to ask next jeff is like what's the future hold is it 
just getting into the social aspect like you alluded to, or do you want to get to be this huge company or more of a niche company with like loyal customers or what do you foresee for the future? You know, I, I, um, I don't look super far ahead because I've seen that I, I continue to change and evolve and you never really know what life or life takes you. I, I don't necessarily have this uh, goal of being this massive travel company. Um, I, I do, I do want to continue to be very aligned with where I'm at as a person. So I want the company to be a reflection of how I'm growing, um, what I'm passionate about, um, you know, and the things that I am passionate about are the, the various like social and political issues in the world. So, you know, uh, so if I was saying right now where I would want to take it, I'd like to do more of the social and like the more of the environmental trips that we do. Okay. Uh, I'd like to, you know, we, we've started to do a little bit around taking people who have either physical or mental injuries into, into the mountains, into experiences to help them rebuild. We've seen people have uh, transformational experiences in, in those types of situations where they're able to see how strong they are through these adventures. Um, so I think that, I think for me, again, I'm on this perpetual search for like connection and meaning and the company is a reflection of that. So I wanna to continue to do that work and, and see where it goes. I'll say one more thing is very interesting is every once in a while, like I'll, I'll spend a little bit of my time on some of one of more of our generic trips when it's, you know, ones that typically sell really well. I've noticed less and less that um, those companies, those trips haven't been selling as well as the, as the trips that have the more um, the social impact trips, at least for us, for other companies, they sell great, but for us, it doesn't seem like they are. And I'm not really so, so sure why, but maybe, Maybe um, it's because we're putting more energy around the, yeah. the ones that we're passionate about. Maybe it's what we're supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm not sure, but I yeah, think you're yeah, kind of think, attracting it to you. you know, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's like, I think a lot about it. Like, why is that happening? And then, you know, I'm like, Oh, well, it's easy to get some money here and some income here, but it doesn't work. Yeah. So, huh. so for, for us, the, the income and the money to support, you know, myself and their team and, and the things that we're doing around the world is, is, primarily coming from the trips where there's the most impact and the most that we're passionate about. So uh, really awesome. fascinating, but um, still haven't figured out fully why, it's but I'm just going to go with how it. things work out like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And coincidentally, I just had on the show a few weeks ago, uh, Jordan Babineau, who is a, a great football player for the Seahawks for a long okay. time. And he just came out with a book called pivot to win and, and how to kind of pivot through like these different phases of life his, like you know, obviously from the NFL into business and so forth. But that's one of the things he mentioned a lot of was you got to kind of put out there like this positive energy of, of what you want and what you're going for. Yeah. And then it draws in, you know, results that some in odd way kind of align themselves with that. And it's unique because yeah. it sounds like this has almost been like a similar conversation with just kind of like a different basis with travel. So that definitely, that definitely resonates with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And I was asking about the travel channel because one of my favorite shows back in the day was, uh, I think it was called Dahani's Adventure. Okay. And it was uh, Dahani Jones also. He was another football guy. Did you ever see this show? I did not. No. It, I don't up, know though. why. It was only like two seasons. I don't know why it didn't last. But what he would do is he'd go travel to, you know, a famous part of the world, whether it was, you know, in, in Italy or Russia or wherever it could be. And then not only did you get to see that part of the world, but about half the show was kind of learning their most famous sport, 
so he would go to Moscow, but then he would learn like a Russian styling style of wrestling. So he'd learn all about Moscow, but then like in between his travels, he was going to like some gym there, you know, with these guys wrestling and kind of learning their way of life. And then he'd go to Brazil and, and learn how to play soccer. And it was really cool because it threw in like a sport element to the travel wherever he went. Uh, but it, it seemed yeah, kind awesome. of similar. Yeah, it was really, really cool, but uh, kind of similar with how you're doing the social aspect, you know, with each trip. So I like that. I'll check it yeah, out. Very neat. So what's a, a normal day like in, in your business? What's, uh, you know, just to kind of give some of our listeners some insight to somebody that made this jump from kind of a normal role to, you know, a real passion project that you get to live through now. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm very careful about structuring my day and it, it, it it's continuing to evolve. So uh, each week, but, um, but I usually, I start, you know, I wake up around 7.30, you know, I've spent years waking up at 5 a.m. from when I was in banking, so I refuse to do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> so I wake up about 7.30 or 8. Um, I do spend a little time on like reflection and I'm very big into like meditation and yoga. So I usually do meditate in the morning and then okay. uh, around I eat breakfast and around nine o'clock, I start my first meeting. I structure, I usually structure the morning typically to do things that would move the company forward um, because I've seen that I have my most energy and my mind is clearest in the morning. So, so I, yeah, from like nine to 12, I'll, I'll do like more big, I call them big projects or something that would impact revenue. Uh, I, I use boomerang, which is a, um, kind of like an app software that, that queues up my emails. So, uh, and what that does is I, I basically, I can't see my emails until 12, like all my emails queue up in my end. So I can't see them, um, uh -huh. I guess in the back end of my inbox and then they hit at 12 and then they hit at four. I've never heard of that. So, yeah, it's great. And because a lot of people, what they do is they get stuck to just answering emails all day and it really destroys productivity. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so I'll see my first load of emails get 12. Um, and then, um, I always take 12 to one off for lunch and to just, just to, to, to some downtime. Um, because again, that's just, it just feels like it's very important. It feels like it's my time. And then, you know, I'll probably do calls from like one to three and then from four to, um, you know, four to, you know, maybe even one to four and from four to six, I'll work on my emails. Okay. Um, now, now the old me, again, now the old me when I was in banking would literally work from like, you know, seven to six in banking and then get home and work from eight to 12 on my company. And I did that for six and a half years wow. and I worked on weekends. So it did take a lot. Like it did. I didn't have yeah. much of a social life, you know? And I'm happy um, you shared that Jeff. Cause some people think like you just kind of snap your fingers and the business is now. And, you know, and if you want to have that transition where, like we keep saying, you're not cutting the cord, you know, go, go for it. But it's going to take a ton of hours. Like you just yeah, said. it was, it was an enormous, it was an enormous effort. And, um, but I, you know, listen, I had so much motivation for the company to make it work. Like if I had a bad day in finance, I would just be more motivated at night to make it work. Um, so, and I felt, I felt how different I felt when I was working on my company. So I can see the dichotomy of the two, but yeah. But in terms of like, yeah, it, 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 I, you know, I was even working a, a lot of hours and up until the last year and a half, but I started to see that um, I, I, I try to stop at six now. Now, every once okay. in a while, I'm doing a late call if we're dealing with someone from Asia or Australia, but I try to stop at 6 p.m. and I try to like enjoy my night because I'm starting to see now that 
if I push it, if I work more than like, you know, nine hours or something like that, like my productivity goes down and I'm actually, I actually get really tired for the next day. So I'm not as productive the next day. So I've really been working on my balance for the last, and I'm still not perfect at it, you know, but I'm, I'm trying, um, I'm trying to work on my balance where I'm enjoying my, like enjoying my evening, getting to sleep early, you know, getting to sleep by 10 if I can. And yeah. then, you know, waking up and then d- and doing it again, like coming up with like a really solid routine that's balanced uh, because that's I, I just cool. think it's really important. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And yeah. as we speak, I'm actually in the middle of uh, Andrew Carnegie's biography. I don't know okay. if you've read a whole lot about him. I, obviously, but I, I know, I know about him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the, the richest guys that ever lived, you know, had Carnegie steel. But one of the things I found really unique about him is by the time he was 40, he never worked more than two hours a day. And he had gotten to the point in his early to mid thirties. I mean, he came to such enormous wealth so early uh, by, you know, hard work and, and some luck, I'm sure. But I found it unique that he was able to kind of give away so much of that responsibility and delegate to so many managers and partners early on that by the time he was 40, he said he'd wake up, you know, wherever he was, work from maybe nine to 11, and then he was done for the day. And he would take the entire summer every year to go uh, on these cottage trips all around Europe and uh, or coach trips, he called them. And I I was like, wow, this is amazing that, uh, you know, he had his 20s where he was just an absolute beast. Yeah. And then he kind of almost semi retired from there and really dedicated a lot of it to writing and traveling, which uh, I thought was pretty cool. I like that. that. Thanks for sharing that. I, I'll definitely pick up that book as well. I mean, I, that, that actually resonates with me because I, I had thought that I was going to be working like, you know, 80, 90 hours a week the rest of my life, but I actually can see a path to that now. Um, yeah. If you have a strong team and you get really good at delegating and choosing on how to hire and whatnot, uh, I, I, I noticed myself, like I'm getting very, very efficient with my days. Um, That's good. That's great. And, yeah, so it's good. Uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll definitely check that out. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's, it's worth the read. And it was kind of interesting because it, it does seem a bit hypocritical at points where he would often write to all his managers and partners, like, you need to see the world, you need to rest, you need to recharge. Yeah. But then he would give them like a thousand tasks to do that he yeah. demanded get yeah. accomplished. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's like, well, easy for you to say when you're, you know, on the beach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been on the receiving end of that for, yeah. for, for a time in yeah. banking, so I get that. Yeah. So maybe just to to wrap up here, one thing I love doing with our guests, and you've had a very interesting journey, you know, to say the least, is a quick lightning round where we get to ask some questions and kind of know a little bit more about you. And uh, if you're okay with that, we could dive right in. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So first up, uh, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Um, When I was young, I actually dreamt of being an explorer. Okay. Fitting. (laughs) That definitely fits. (laughs) That's awesome. And uh, do you have a quote that you try and live by? I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell. And um, he has a quote, I I can't recall the exact wording of it, but it's basically, uh, you know, it's something like, like fear is the end, like, like follow fear, basically. And I think I live by that because I've noticed that every day if I'm trying to figure out where to go next if I if I address the any fear that I feel in my body or in my mind that it usually shows me the next step of the path got it got it and what's your favorite movie Braveheart Braveheart I love it that's in my top three (laughs) yeah (laughs) and this will be a good question for you what's your favorite destination or vacation 
I love Peru. Um, I'll tell you, I'll do this really quick. So, but I, Peru is, Peru is from an adventure standpoint and culture and people. I, I love it. It's, it's magnificent. But again, I'm, I'm starting to steer to get to a point where I would love to have some just more enjoyable like trips where I'm not so much like running up a mountain or something like that. <laughs> um, so I'd love to revisit places like Venice or the beautiful water cities of, of Europe. Uh, and then I'm dreaming of going to like a, a nice Island, which I haven't been in 20 years, like a Turks and Caicos. So um, yeah, long answer, but. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it depends on your mood. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's kind of similar. What's your favorite food? Um, what's my favorite food? Uh, I'm Italian. So I, I do Italian food, pizza. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> pasta. And then just kind of keeping with the overall vibe of this, you know, it is a, a business and a finance show to some extent. What would you say was the worst investment you ever made? Could be money or otherwise. You know, I never regret anything, but I did, I did spend, I mean, you're in the, you know, you know about investments, right? So um, I did spend a lot of time on this test called the, the, the CFA. And I had this, I, I got through to the third level and then I changed jobs and I, I, I failed at the third, you know, that third level. And I just never took it again because it was just such a bear to take. Mm-hmm. But I had always thought that, that if I got a certain degree, right? Or if I got a certain uh, license, then that would get me to where I needed to be. And I think in retrospect, I don't necessarily agree with that. I see, I see people chasing NBAs and all these things. And I think if you, you want to put that in your mind that, that you're going to need that to get to where you need to be, then that's what's, that's what's going to happen. So uh, yeah. I think I, I, I do think I actually wasted a lot of time taking that test um, and putting too much emphasis on school and licenses, as opposed to now, actually, I put I don't know, it's come off the wrong way. I think you need a base of education, but I, I put um, a lot less on that. I think if it's something that you want, you can go after. You don't necessarily need a certain title or degree to get there. Yeah, and that, and not to interrupt, but that there's a quote that I love from Cool Runnings, if you've ever seen that. One of my favorites, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where uh, I believe it's the coach tells Darice when, when they cheat, you know, and they, they want to, you know, get the gold. And, uh, and they get, or I'm sorry, the coach was the one who cheated. And Therese kind of understands like how badly you could want to get the gold medal to do something like that. And he says, listen, you know, if you weren't anything when you didn't have a gold medal, you'll never be anything with the gold medal. Love it. Yeah, and I love that. I've always, that always resonated. And then lastly, what would you say was the best investment? The best investment has been the personal development work that I've done on myself. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I, I do uh, an enormous, I do an enormous amount that people don't see behind the scenes. Like I work with, you know, I work with coaches, I work with mentors, I have worked with like meditation and yoga coaches. Um, I have seen that um, the more that I work on myself, and I, I sometimes refer to it as kind of healing any past wounds or, you know, work on my emotions, uh, that I'm able to see the next steps. I'm able to uh, be more clear and, and my company opens up more as well. And my life opens up and I, I'm not a big reader of, I don't read many business books, maybe read half of one over the last 10 years. But for me, it, for me, what's helps more is, is to do this work and work with people who, who, um, you know, expand consciousness and, and get more clear and, and, uh, yeah, and, and heal. So that's, that's, um, that's been my best investment and something I continue you know, to this day. Great. That's awesome. 
So thank you so much for coming on the show, Jeff. I think this was a, a terrific conversation that uh, our listeners can take quite a bit away from. Is there anything just kind of in closing that you, you want to make sure everybody hears or anything out there as far as where people could find you and your company? Yeah, I mean, well, first off, you know, again, thank you for taking the time to, to have me on. It was, I really enjoyed our discussion. You know, for everyone out there listening, you know, like depending wherever you are in life, you know, it, your life can change, right? So if you aren't necessarily happy and you do have a dream, I, 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 I you go after it. I think that the, the caveat I will make is that as we talked about, a lot of people think you need to take this leap of faith, but you don't necessarily need to do that. You know, you could, you can structure these changes and these pivots to not disrupt your, 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 your current life that much. And, and, and do more of the, you know, the slow and steady approach to it, which I think is, can be extremely rewarding and can also be very intelligent going about it that way and make it less risky. So, um, so if you have a dream, go after it, but there's just consider there's another approach. Uh, in terms of where to find um, uh, my, me and my company, uh, my company is called The Explorer's Passage. Uh, that's explorer with an S, P-A-S-S-A-G-E.com. Um, you can check us out. You can check our tours out. And uh, in the fall of, of 2020, I did my first TEDx talk, which if you Google Jeff Bonaldi, uh, B-O-N-A-L-D-I, you can, you can check that out as well. And uh, I talk a little bit about my journey and, and how I got to where I am today. So I'd love for you to see it. Cool. Well said. Well, thank you again, Jeff, for coming on today's show. This was uh, fantastic. And everyone that's been tuning in, please keep tuning in, leaving us a good review wherever it is that you're listening. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna, and thank you for joining us on another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. We'll see you next week.